0: Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Co-starring 10-year NFL veteran and Super Bowl champion, Will Blackman.
1: from the end zone, he throws, and it deflects
0: away, and it is picked off by Will
1: Blackman, the former giant. Tim Dwight watches it hit, bounces, picks it up at the 10, slips a defender. The football, oh. the football, hits up the grabs. It's
0: covered in the end zone by Will Blackman for a Green Bay touchdown. And now, here is your host,
1: let send it over to Rick Bucher. Rick Bucher. Welcome to another episode of Bucher and Blackman, subsidiary of Bucher and Friends, part of the United Recast Network. I'm Rick Bucher. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report, and you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Bucher. He's Will Blackman. NFL vet Super Bowl Champ. You can find him on Twitter at Will Blackman. He's available for TV appearances as well. Anybody's out there. Just wanted you to know. All right, so <laughs> a bunch of little things we have to get to, and this is going to sound like we're dating ourselves, and actually we are—we are dating ourselves in in bringing this up. But you and I never talked about it. We talked about Game of Thrones at one point, and we were both behind in seeing the last. We neither one of us had seen the last episode, so we didn't want to talk about. it.
0: Right, I waited till think monday night right i think so the monday after it came on that's what it was
1: okay i probably waited longer than that but i i did ultimately see it and everybody's had an opinion everybody for the most part have been dragging game of thrones in the way that it ended in the final season your final thoughts about it being over and what you saw in that final episode?
0: Uh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just it just felt rushed. Yeah. And, you know, I, I got a lot of people telling me, especially on social media, that, of course, if, if Jon Snow ended up becoming, you know, king, that would have been too obvious and too cliche or whatever they want to say about it. But I'm like, well, yeah, he was supposed to be. It's like the fact that he didn't become king is is like, why the heck did we? He even, why did he even find out that he was a Targaryen in the first place? He found <laughs> out he's a Targaryen and that just meant nothing, because nothing happened.
1: No, that's not true. It basically him, him him discovering that he was a Targaryen. One, we had another kind of incestuous relationship. It seemed to happen a lot in that show.
0: It did, because it did. Cause it didn't, Targaryens were known for that. So
1: yes. Um, Lannister's too, apparently. But
0: those it, Lannisters
1: that was the vehicle for, uh, Danny and, and Jon Snow to no longer be in love and see eye to eye basically led to him killing her. The problem that I had was it was just too disjointed. If he's going to stab her when he stabs her and kills her. And the dragon comes upon him with Danny. There's no way that the dragon ain't torching him. Like torching everything else. I get the symbolism. It just, it was too much. And I gave them the excuse of, I, I, I understood that the, the last season was disappointing, but they were up against having to wrap everything up.
0: I'm so mad you brought this discussion off the bag.
1: Why? I put I because I put, put it, it so behind me. <laughs> I put it so behind. Well, you know what, and, and we can do that because I did too. Yeah. I was glad. I was glad that it was over. Yeah, I yeah. was glad too that it was over. Yeah, but but it's the writer. It's the writer in me. It's the storyteller in me. Oh, no, I understand. That I same see here. the challenge that, on, that we, they we faced. Have, we got the same degree, man. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> <The same. laughs> so. That's where that's where everybody's just bagging on it. I'm like, because you know, it. it was
0: it was so elite, and then I just felt like eight was just rushed. Ever ever for me, every since Arya killed the Night King, I was yeah. over the whole show.
1: Yeah,
0: I was. Yeah. So well, nothing, and
1: how she killed the Night King?
0: No, no, the fact that she killed him. Yeah, how was a was another discussion, but the fact that she killed him, that's what annoyed me so well, once that happened i was done with the entire show
1: so here's the done. thing once you had the night walkers like just pouring through like the, the end of season seven by the way nobody I, I don't get this and maybe i would have to research it or watch some of the extras to get an explanation it looked as if the wall had been rebuilt Right, to protect itself against who? And the pre what? Well, but the previous <laughs> season ended with the, the White Walker dragon torching it down, it falling down. How the hell did that thing get built up again? I mean, it was just, it was too monumental. That's not like <laughs> what's the a point of snowmen. the Night Watch?
0: Then what's the point of the Night Watch now? There's no more White Walkers. Yeah.
1: And why, yet, does the White, and,
0: why doesn't that watch even exist?
1: And, it, and it, that's where they sent Jon Snow, and right, then he and went so, out that same damn gate, that gate sent, that I thought right. had been. Torched by the, the White Walker dragon.
0: That's See, what I'm saying. It all, all didn't make any sense, man. Yeah. There's just too, And then Bran much. becomes king.
1: And then, I mean, dude. like really, uh, and then what's his name? Tyrion goes down in the catacombs and he finds Jamie Lannister's golden hand. I mean, it looked like the whole building came down on that him. That too.
0: Cersei died from ruins. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah, yeah it was just. Right. But I'll tell you what though. What? I tell you what, you know what picked up the slack? Chernobyl.
1: Ooh, woo. I started recording that. <gasps> Haven't seen it yet. <laughs> really?
0: I tell you what. And the fact that it's true. Yes.
1: Woo. Yeah. Chernobyl. Okay. What? Are you saying that Game of Thrones wasn't true?
0: <laughs> Moving on.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Jordy the... Nelson
1: in the news today.
0: Yeah. Yes, he signed a one- day contract to retire with the Packers.
1: All right. So help me out on this because I think Jerry Rice did the same thing with the 49ers. Any number of guys have done this. What is the real meaning in that? What? Is, is there any value? Is there any Starting intrinsic value? Contract? Or is it just a symbol, a symbolic thing of we appreciate you so much that, and a guy wants to go it already out? went
0: off. What? What do you mean? Like, what do you mean by that? the symbolism
1: sign a one day contract so you can say you retired as a packer or as a 49er or as whatever I don't know what does it mean
0: I I, I don't know I didn't retire as anybody I just left
1: (laughs) (laughs) so if you had your choice who would you assign your last if you if you did a one day this is who would you do it with if
0: I had a choice
1: yeah man (sighs) I don't
0: know, man. I I think because I spent like equal time everywhere.
1: Right. That's so, why I asked the question because I knew it would be difficult. And I'm surprised. I thought you'd say Giants, actually.
0: You thought I'd say Giants? Yes. No, because I, I didn't really do anything. I didn't do much there
1: Okay, as a player. Then I, think I would I say I had, my, next, my next would be Packers.
0: I think I was most appreciated in Green Bay. Okay. So probably a Packer. I went to Jacksonville. I was not appreciated in Jacksonville for what I did.
1: Yeah.
0: Washington? I was not appreciated in Washington for (laughs) what I did. (laughs) And I'm on record saying that. (laughs) Giants, they – you know what, though? Probably a Giant, even though I didn't do much there playing-wise. They did um, a lot for you. They did a lot. You you know the story. They did a lot for me. So yeah okay still yeah who knows fair enough but Jordy Nelson I mean it's so funny I remember we drafted him in 2007 he was at technically our first pick because we didn't have a first round pick so we got him in the second round and actually former safety at Kansas State uh turned receiver and it was so wow. funny it, that doesn't happen was,
1: too often does it
0: well he he ended up changing positions in college Oh okay. Um. So it was. It still, was so funny. Still though. Oh no. But guys come in two two positions like Trace McSurley, the quarterback for the Ravens. He was a he was like an All American safety in high school.
1: Okay, but to become a wide receiver of Jordy Nelson's ability, it's a little unusual rece- that he right, would be switching receiver, from safety.
0: Wide receivers might be the easiest position in the NFL. Easily,
1: <laughs> it is. From you a know technical, from a technical standpoint,
0: yeah. From a technical standpoint, as long as you have a pretty good quarterback, you're good. And you have Favre and Rogers.
1: This, by well, the way, is a former DB talking down wide receivers. I, I, did the ease with which they... I did it
0: though. I went from I did it though. I know it's the pros. I know. Are different. But then you
1: you transfer you transition to the tougher yeah. position.
0: <laughs> no, I went from defensive back to receiver, back to defensive back.
1: That's what I mean. Where'd yeah, you end up?
0: Exactly. <laughs> Because I was like, that's where the that's where the dough's at. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so what happened was when, when Jordy came in, I remember Al Harris was like, you know, I'm going to go get my hands on him, you know, probably sleeping on him for obvious reasons. And then Jordy just took off. Jordy was fast. He was like 215, maybe 220. He was fast, like really? 6'2", 6'3". He was a big dude. And he could run. So the fact that he can run really well, Al <laughs> was like somebody needs to go cover forest out there <laughs> <laughs> that's good but yeah no jordy was you know easily like one of the toughest matchups i ever gone against you know facing him in practice all the time hmm. um, finished second all time in packers history and receiving touchdowns you know jordy was slept down jordy did work though jordy was nice man so congrats to jordy on a wonderful career just a true true packer
1: Jordy, and I know I mentioned him when it comes to the one-day contracts. Jordy, when I think of Jordy, and I put him in the same vein as Jerry Rice as wide receivers in this regard, they were amazingly efficient, but they weren't flashy. Like, Jerry Rice was not flashy as a wide receiver,
0: Oh, I don't know because Jerry was really in particular on how he dressed every game. No, 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 that that's different. That's different.
1: No, that's no, no. No, no. He, no, no. no. That's but not the different. way he played was not a fit. It was not flashy. He wasn't making one handed catches. He wasn't, he was all, he would work through. He, he
0: was flashy in 94. When Dion came, he didn't want to buy in. He's like, I got to buy in. There's.
1: <laughs> There is, there's fat. Look, they called him Fifi at one point because he had the, the the stud earring, which was avant garde at the time. Yeah, bro. And he had the, flashy. he better had stop. the, uh, you better what cut did it he up. have? He had the, the uh, kid and play uh, do. And so, yeah, no, no, no. He was, he was. Jordy was Larry Fitzgerald ish, like that. Okay. Like that. Uh, yeah, I put stash. them in the same category. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Jerry was that way too. <laughs> He's going to stare at me. <laughs> All <laughs> no, right. Doesn't make for a good podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the latest news coming down. The Warriors lose yet another player, kevon Looney. I'm not sure what this is. Collarbone. Yeah, the cartilage. Around the cartilage, it, it's a uh, Kevon Looney has cornered the market on weird injuries. He had a weird hip injury coming out of UNLV because
0: he's, he's like he's awkward. He's like goofy.
1: Yeah, yeah. In any event, he is out for the finals.
0: Yeah, that's a tough one. The to collarbone, dude. It is. It's the it's um. A, but what a, a weird. The, so the costal
1: cartilage. Yeah, is, you know this.
0: Yeah, it's like in between, like the ribs, like the. And they the, call it. So from the oh, collarbone to the
1: up f- here. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, so from the collarbone down to like the first rib, that's what they call a costal. And if you if you tear that, or you just or you do any kind of damage, yeah. it is a bitch, bro. And I to come back to, from to even handle. You can't you can't breathe. It hurts. It's oh that bad. Goodness. Like if as soon as you as soon as you inhale and your lungs expand, that intercostal
1: just Oof.
0: yeah it just starts to tear a little Oof. bit. So. If you, look, if you look in between the ribs, or you can feel it. It's the tissue, the cartilage in between the ribs.
1: Yeah, I feel so badly for him. He yeah. and I had a long talk just like a week ago about how he's evolved. He's always been such a good dude. He is a guy that you love having on your team as a role player because he tries to do everything. The, the, the vets were always encouraging him to do more. He worked out last summer with KD. That, by the way, is one of the un- Written stories, the number of guys. When KD during the off season, he is he's like on a caravan. He's going around the country working out with various guys. Pascal Siakam worked with him at length. Kavon did down. That's in.
0: what guys. But that's what guys do. That that's what's so funny. Yes, like all at, pro athletes, we all compete against each other when it's go time. You know during the season, but during the off season. It's a, it's a fraternity. It's a cult. We all help each other. We all train with each other. We all, you know, do do things like that. So why, it's, it's why interesting.
1: Is, why is that? I, I mean, I would—
0: Because we do because at the end of the day, like, we're all real friends. Yeah. There are very few guys that truly don't like each other in the NFL.
1: How much of it is that you're also—you're an elite company when it comes to your athletic ability— no, that so th- is
0: that is a that is a huge factor because, you know, not only am I going to go work with these guys because I know who they are, what they're about, they understand, you know, what it takes. But also, too, there's a little competition in there, too. Sure. Like, if I go there and compete against this guy, he's going to make me better. Right. Like, for example, a bunch of guys go to UCLA. So, hey, someone heard, heard, you know, Odell is down there. So, guess who else showed up? AB showed up. Guess who's throwing to Odell? Russell Wilson's throwing to Odell, so a bunch of guys were able to get in and have like this private thing going down at UCLA to work out, hmm. you know. And that's the same thing, you know. Guys come around here uh, to Orange County and work out. A bunch of quarterbacks come and throw, you know. You got Jordan Palmer who's helped out a lot of, you know, guys for pre-draft, and they come back here and throw a lot. So,
1: I love how it's it's still word of mouth. Like the it, there's, there's nothing ever. It has like, to
0: be word of mouth. Or it's gonna people are gonna get mobbed.
1: Right. No, no, no. But I mean, just organized in terms of sending something out, it really becomes like somebody has a hey, I'm going to go so and so, and it gets through the grapevine, and guys show up and get it done. I mean, that's that's like pickup hoops. That's like pickup soccer. And and you were always and you always wanted to be in that mix of like where you're going to get the best competition.
0: You got to be an elite company. You got to train in an elite company. You know, it's it's almost like going to you know a certain boxing gym, say like Wild Card in L.A. You're gonna see a bunch of fighters there. Maybe Manny Pacquiao's there. Maybe Koto's there. Like we're all here in the same camp together. Hmm. You you go you watch boxing matches either with the same promoter or they're from the same area. The guys are sitting there, watching their fights because they're all in the same camp or the same area. You know, last summer, Richard Sherman, you know, Akib Talib and Darius Sled, Darius Slay, and I think Xavier Rhodes was there too. All these guys worked out together in, in um, California somewhere. I think it was. Um, Aqib and Sherman are in the same division, helping each other.
1: So, on the Kavon Looney front, this is what I don't understand. Help me, help me with this. Because the Warriors had this miraculous, valiant, impressive, inspirational finish to Game 2, and they ended up winning it with Quinn Cook and DeMarcus Cousins and Alfonso McKinney, Everybody is now, oh, the Warriors, the, the Raptors are done. The Warriors are winning this series. It's a fate accompli. I don't get that. I, I'm looking at the Warriors and where they are physically. I look at what they have been the better part of this year, which is they haven't been able to sustain their energy at home or on the road. I look at what the Raptors demonstrated that they were capable of doing, not just in Game 1, but in the first half of Game 2. They were dominating in, in in the first half. It didn't show up on the scoreboard, and they're responsible for that. But I don't understand why people don't think, at this stage, that the Raptors are still capable of winning this series. I do.
0: Well, I mean, I think they're still capable because it's still... They still got a lot of games to go, and that was the, that was my question before everyone started getting banged up on the Warriors. It's like, hey, can the Raptors keep up this pace the whole series? Yeah. It's like, okay, well now everyone's dropping like flies on the Warriors. Right. Can they keep up this high IQ, high percentage shot type of game? Because there's one time you know eventually you know you're not gonna get the same lift. Fatigue is gonna set in. Sure. I mean, you saw you saw Kawhi. He had no lift, Yep. hence him him running everybody over, hence Um, him getting to the middle of the key and kicking it out every time.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because people have acted as if the Warriors are the only team that are injured in this series. Kyle Lowry's playing with a bad thumb on his left hand. We don't know exactly what's going on with Kawhi Leonard. We just know that he's not right. He's not right at all. And you could make the case that those are their two best players. He
0: can't get by anybody. He's pushing everybody out the way, blowing, like, running people over. His and one, he barely got off the ground.
1: He's, yeah, he is, there's no explosiveness. I've seen him before where he he can get a step on you. And he gets a step on you so that if you retreat, now he's got the pull-up and he's got an easy look. He's not getting that. He's having to find openings. And this is where... I believe that Kawhi has to be smarter because I, 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 I understand what he's trying to do. He feels like this is my responsibility to go get it. That's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. That's who I am. I'm the go-to guy in these situations. But if you don't have it, you don't have it. Right. And that's where I, you know, Kyle Lowry has been hampered by foul trouble, foolish foul trouble, to be honest with you. He's, he's done it to himself. He has to be smarter because he's got to take some of that load off Kawhi. I feel as if as if Kyle has the ability, bad left hand and all, he has the ability to get to places on the floor. And but ultimately for me where they lost it was defensively. Offensively the shots weren't falling and defensively they let it affect them. They didn't play with the same uh urgency or focus. The transition buckets were just too easy for the Warriors. The Warriors, if you if you're if you're giving Clay back back cuts, if you're giving uh, Quinn Cook wide open threes, there were a capable lot of, of knocking baskets. those. There down. were a lot of lot of free baskets.
0: Yeah, um, like Steph made a couple big passes, and then you know the the most underrated uh, part of Draymond's game is him running the point. Yeah. I mean, he, he can find anybody. He can facilitate. He can run the whole entire offense. And and he was able to come down the court. You know, he, he does this thing where he powers down the court, makes everybody nervous because you don't know what he's going to do, and boom, yeah. he'll find somebody wide open.
1: Yeah. or the if, you,
0: Yeah, the alley of to Bogut caught me off guard.
1: Or if he has a lane, he will go all the way and finish. And he had a miss. He missed on Kyle Lowry where he spun and he was wide open and he missed it. And it's the first time I've seen him that I can recall in these playoffs – Where he missed a layup. When he goes in, even in traffic, he generally finishes. For me, Draymond Green may be the smartest player in the NBA right now.
0: What do you mean, like in the entire NBA?
1: In the entire NBA. Because of what he's able to do. I mean, if you really... If you...
0: (laughs) Over LeBron.
1: Yes, because... What Draymond is the fact that he's averaging or close to averaging a triple double? If you've ever been around Draymond physically, he's not imposing physically. Uh, he's six seven, six six, six seven. He's not particularly quick. He's not particularly strong. He knows how to play angles. He wa- clearly he watches tape. He knew when he picked Siakam. He knew exactly what movie he was going to and where the ball was going to be exposed, and how he could slap it away. That's just the guy who's watching tape and is ready for what's coming at him i i I look at everything that he does in terms of organizing them and having a sense a feel for the game overall it's it's and I'll throw it out to our listeners you want to at Buker Friends, you can send send me a name of somebody who is smarter than Draymond Green when it comes to playing the game. Because he just gets he gets so much done. Just his awareness <coughs> of and this is a beauty. Like he and I talked about this at one point. He he measures out his fouls. Like if, if he hasn't had a foul in the first quarter,
0: he'll just go reckless.
1: He'll go he'll go he'll play uber aggressive. To see what he can get away with, because he has one to burn, <laughs> and if he has two, then he knows he's going to play a different way. And if he has if he has two going into the second half, he's good. Like he's good to go. He knows exactly how he can use those those last three fouls uh, in, in order to play the way he wants to play. It's just it's he maps out the game before they actually play. And I thought just his his awareness uh on the floor in a variety of situations in transition in particular as you pointed out was just was exactly what they needed. So,
0: smartest player in the NBA.
1: I I dare anybody to if over if, LeBron. Yes. Yeah, you know what? Yes. 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 All right. <laughs> because this is the thing that LeBron orchestrates things. But LeBron doesn't
0: always his timing is not as as good as Draymond's, I think. Well, I, I, I think I think situationally, yes.
1: Yeah. But so you know that, why that, that is? is? Cuz I don't know how I don't know that LeBron is a, as acutely aware of the strengths and weaknesses of who's around him, as much as Draymond is, LeBron expects you to play for him. He expects you to know certain things. Draymond almost and takes and into going, account,
0: but I'm going based off of before LA.
1: I'm just going right. I said I'm right now. I'm a, I'm a I can't say right now. I'm a in I can't the say, moment, person. He just he just got to LA. I can't say right now.
0: You can't the say Draymond's the smartest player because he's been on that team for so long and they have such a great chemistry. I like. I don't think like. I don't know. In one year.
1: But he's brought Draymond has brought along a lot of different guys and worked with a lot of different guys. Kevon Looney is relatively new to the mix. Quinn Cook is relatively new to the mix. That's where LeBron needs veterans who have high basketball IQs. He doesn't. Sure. He doesn't you know, yeah. adapt necessarily to guys that are – he expects them to adapt to him. Draymond adapts to whatever is around him. And some of that is just because LeBron's so good, that's the way you want to do it. I'm not, but, I'm not uh, yeah. faulting him for that.
0: Yeah, I feel like you – no, know, that's that's a good point because I can see how guys will play up to their ability because they are – just because they're with LeBron. Yeah. Like they'll try to play up and yeah. that's also what LeBron expects. Yeah. And in terms of Draymond, I feel like he can he can get it out of you He by fills challenging gaps. you. Yeah, by challenging you as an individual, he can get out of you. Yeah, and he's Dr- definitely and he rises when the situation gets worse.
1: Draymond's also a leader. Like Uh-oh. LeBron's not. Uh oh. LeBron's not a natural leader. Draymond. Know, Draymond. Calling LeBron a front runner? No. No, not front runner. I actually had this conversation with Rajan. I can't get into it about leadership. No, you, good. And about why? No, no, no. No, I'm saying you don't have to.
0: You're good. Okay. You see how I'm lounging right now? I know. I
1: got just moved away from the microphone. (laughs) Here it is. Uh, All right. Uh, One last thing I want to get into. Kawhi files a lawsuit against Nike. Uh, Apparently, back in 2011. He had some drawings. They go back to 2011. Yeah, 2011. That's when he was he had a Nike deal. And so they apparently copyrighted that logo and he just found this out because he wanted to utilize it for some clothing line or whatever, uh some ideas that he has and Nike objected to it. He's now suing Nike because he says I came up with that logo and they copyrighted it. That hand logo? Yes. So here's the question I have for you, and you know what's weird is I've seen him with gear, yeah, with he that logo on it, and I wonder why it's just coming up now. Whether it was just personalized stuff that he made, and now he's trying to take it to market, and maybe that's where it came up, where Nike got wind of it, and
0: the logo is kind of whatever anyway.
1: It's yeah, it's not, it's not over the top, it's not. It's 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 his initials and it's with his hand and so it's a little odd. It's a little odd. That'll probably win the lawsuit though. Uh yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know copyright law enough to to say definitively what it whether he would or not. I think some of that some of that really has to do with what was written when and what you can prove and etc. and and how much money you're willing to spend to get control of it, or Nike's willing to spend to keep it. All that said if you had a logo, what would it be? If I had a logo, yes. If you had a logo, I what can't would
0: describe it be? a logo. Uh, I don't know. Are you a visionary? Can you what would like? It be?
1: What, what would it involve? What would you have? Would you have your initials? Would you have a number? Would you have what what uh, object would you try to work into it? What feature of yours would you include? I would just borrow
0: the Wu Tang Clan W and just ask them if I can just use it on my behalf and just leave it at that.
1: Wow. Come on. You're more creative than that. That is just, that's bailing on the subject. Just
0: <laughs> say, I don't just say, not, I, that's like a question that like my son would ask. I feel like I'm going to take one that as a compliment. It's one of those questions that just,
1: yeah, stumps you.
0: You're like, well, can I get back to you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can get back to me and you could oh. say, I'll get back to you on that.
0: Oh my goodness. I actually just created a logo, actually. Um.
1: <laughs> For what?
0: Because <laughs> I'm, I'm starting a, a football academy.
1: <laughs> the Will Blackman Football Academy? The
0: Blackman Football Academy.
1: Blackman Football Academy. And yep. so you're working on a logo. So it's not that crazy of a question. Jeez. <laughs> Look at that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. It has a, It's like a shield or a crest and yeah. a picture of me, silhouette, me running through the middle. But like a silhouette field in the back, wings outside the shield, Black Men Football Academy going around. We go. Like a a upside down U around the image of me running out.
1: We go from you, making it sound like it was a ridiculous question, to you showing me an actual logo that you created for the Black Men Football Academy. Today.
0: Oh, I was thinking. You know why? I was thinking like a personal like signature. This is for an academy that I'm gonna start up within. Hopefully, this week I can, you know, get something going. So I, I was thinking signature logo.
1: What's the Blackman Football Academy gonna be all about?
0: It's gonna be just pretty much um, teaching uh, the game of football, man. Physically, mentally, emotionally you know, all the above. Nice. Um, uh, just how to give you, give people the tools, not only just from a physical standpoint, but, um, you know, there's a lot that goes on with failure and, and all that, because I do do a lot of, I do some mental performance coaching as well. Yeah. So just to help guys with, with dealing with anxiety or depressions of the game and stuff like that, you know, just keep building confidence. It's interesting that lately, um, since I've been coaching uh, high school football, it's amazing to see how many kids just lack confidence. Hmm. And, and it stems from, I guess, I guess from at home, you know, there's not a lot of parents at home telling their own kids that they're doing a good job. And whatever it is, whether it's school, whether it's football, whether it's chores, whether it's was whatever
1: i wonder how much of it is the pressure that starts very early on of what kids were what they're expected to be like 10 11 12 years old people are already parents are already gauging judging them pushing them to be a d1 athlete or a pro or whatever it is and these kids are up against these standards at a very young yeah, age.
0: Yeah, like yeah, you know, like give them a chance. Like these, give them a chance to decide what they want to do. These parents put so much money into these camps, into all these personal trainings, and sending them to these like top schools. And it's like, all right, like I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. It's interesting. We're in, my wife and I are in a situa- situation right now with our son Ryder. He's eight years old, and he he just started wrestling for a wrestling club like four months ago. And he just wants, he asks us to wrestle. He asks us to sign him up because he, he likes to wrestle. So cool. He's been wrestling and then he was in the very intro beginner group. Fast forward to now, the coaches, now keep in mind, he, his head coach is a Hall of Famer uh, in CIF rest, high school wrestling as, as a coach. His other head coach, the owner, is Mark Munoz, a national division one champion and also a UFC veteran. Um, and a bunch of other national champions are on that roster as coaches, and they all want to move him up to advance now. Okay. And they're like, oh, you know, some parents who who've seen Ryder wrestle, they're like, man, he just—it's going to be a challenge. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna get pummeled a bit, and he's already been getting pummeled because he's wrestled—he wrestles older kids, you know, because he's he's small. I mean, he's younger, but he's tall. And he's gonna get pummeled, but he'll he'll be all right. And I see him, and he can be a CIF and da da da. I'm like whoa whoa whoa, like we're not even like there. He's eight years old. We're not and in the discussion. We're not even there. Like we haven't. even I'm not even imagining him being a California state champion. I'm not even imagining, like oh <laughs> our son. That's good. You know, our son can get a scholarship right. in wrestling right. or be in the Olympics. I'm not even. I'm not even there. Our writer simply just wants to have fun wrestling. Yeah. So do I want to just push him through advance and, you know, him get his butt kicked every single week and him not want to do it anymore? Yeah. Something that he picked. He just loves to wrestle. He just wants to go and wrestle.
1: I laughed when my son started playing soccer and uh, he was on a, a travel team, sort of the select team in our area. And <laughs> we had a, a parents meeting with the coaching uh, the coaching staff and they were like, yeah, you know, um we, we train year round, so pretty much have to give up, you know, any other sports that the kid may be playing.
0: I'm like, by the way, that is insane. I said I heard that the other day from a parent.
1: Yeah. I'm like, he's in 6th grade. That ain't happening. <laughs> he's in, we're we're not going all in on a sport in 6th grade. I want him to play everything. And ultimately, it was probably 2 years, 3 years later, he 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 gave up soccer and moved on and uh, he's played baseball. He's, he's played golf. Uh, basketball is his thing. Now he's really into that. We're trying to get him to take up some second sport, but he's all in on, on hooping. And, but you know, he's in high school now. He's a freshman in high school. So I get it. Um, but I, it's just, it's extraordinary to me. And I, th- and I think that's, I think that's where it comes from. I don't think it's that, parents aren't encouraging i think they're too encouraging i think they're too on top of these kids in terms of measuring their development and their growth and i've been guilty of it at times i see that because they're i see the potential in my uh in my kids especially my, no, my and, daughter
0: and that's exactly what uh his coach said mark he was like man i can he said, "I totally understand, you know, if he's not ready to move up, because I," he says, "sometimes I see the potential and I get so excited. Yes, that I'm like, come on, like, yeah, yes. he can do this. He's ready to go, and then he'll send the kid up there, and the kid will get discouraged, you know." He said, yeah. "I just, go, I get so excited." I said, "No, shoot, totally. I, I see, I get excited too when I see stuff, and but I have to be careful and always pull myself back. Even something as simple as after." you know, right at a wrestling match or after a swim meet or after a football game. Yeah. You know, I won't, I don't want to jump right in. And, hey, you could have done this, you could have yep, done yep, this, yep. you could have done that. Yeah. I try my best not to do that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, sometimes we I just, succeed, I
1: just, sometimes we fail.
0: Yeah. I just, I just don't want to take the fun out of it, you know, and we, I, we asked him every time he gets discouraged about something. I said, do I ever, do I ever get mad at you when you lose anything? He was like, no, you don't get mad at me. I go, when do I get upset? He said, if I lose, because I didn't try hard. Right. That's the only time. Yeah. Other than that, I was like, did you get your best today? He's like, yeah. I was like, then then if the guy beat you at your best, then so be it. Yeah. It was his day.
1: All right. That does it for this episode of Buker and Blackman, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. Uh, please rate our show, and you will be eligible to win prizes. Screenshot the review and send it to at buker friends and that's how you become part of the drawing in the next podcast i'm suspecting that it's going to be a buker friendless very good possibility of that if it's not it will be the conversation that i had with andre godala that i utilized for the piece the recent piece that i did for Bleacher Report. I wasn't able to use all of it, um, all the material that we had, and there's some in, some interesting conversation that I think you'll find uh, interesting when it comes to Iguodala's mindset and the Warriors. All that in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.